Hello and welcome to the Meaningful Learning Podcast by Coconut Thinking. We've got a different kind of episode for you today and it's all in the spirit of trying new things and experimenting. I listen to quite a varied range of podcasts from current events to education to humor to sports. And one of the things I noticed about the education podcast in particular is that they often have a format of an adult expressing their views, their opinions, or their advice on a, a certain kind of pedagogical uh, approaches. Or it's an interviewer who interviews another adult about the education space, pedagogy again, but maybe coaching, maybe leadership, whatever it might be. But what I notice is that all these adults are talking amongst themselves about the school experience, the student experience and learning. But I don't think I remember hearing ever a podcast that asks the kids, the students, what they think, what their relationship to learning is, what their relationship to the education system is. And so I thought it'd be an experiment to take three young adults uh, who just graduated, uh, 18 years old each, and ask them what it is about their learning in school, their learning outside of school over the previous four years that has meant something to them. What has been the most meaningful pieces? What have they learned? How have they grown? How they've been prepared for life after high school. Now, I don't pretend that this is a representative sample of the experiences of most high school students. I don't know if there are three kids out there that would cover that entire spectrum of experiences. These are students who have come out of independent schools, and this is a very important piece to highlight because most kids don't go to independent schools. They don't go to private schools. Um, The public school system has its own set of constraints, systemic constraints. The issue that I'm trying to grapple here is what happens when you can talk to kids and reflect on their experiences who have experienced a system that is a little bit more free in its ability to take on innovative curricular approaches who are more able to provide enrichment activities. And this isn't um, unfortunately going to go well for some listeners and they, they might they might resist. The truth of the matter is that right now during the COVID um, lockdown, I know a head of school who is in such a disadvantaged area that she has to go deliver food to her students who don't have the necessary means to provide for themselves because they count on the school lunches and breakfast. That's a terrible situation. And that requires a more careful and thoughtful discussion about why that would be the case for children to go hungry if they're not in school. That's not the conversation that I want to have. And unfortunately, it seems to me that until those socioeconomic issues are addressed, looking at things such as personalization and uh, taking care of a student interest and, and catering for them can still happen, but it is going to be a much more complicated conversation. And the same goes with state or public schools, that there are certain systemic and political issues there that don't allow as much freedom as independent schools have. So I'm not pretending that I'm not making broad sweeping generalizations and simplifying matters to the point where it's almost absurd and ridiculous. But I would like to open up the conversation just by listening to some students who have had the opportunity to get this kind of enrichment and different kinds of 
programs within an independent system to see what kind of lessons we can learn from that. The point is, is that if we have students who do benefit from certain privileges and certain opportunities, how do they react to what is being presented and what those opportunities are. If we look at state or public schools and uh, schools that are in more socioeconomically disadvantaged areas, some of these issues might be exacerbated. They might be even more pronounced. And as well, the opportunities there can be uh, seized, uh, but it's just going to take a lot more work. I had a conversation with Charlotte not so long ago, and she suggested that it should be the independent schools that push the curricular innovation piece simply because they have more freedom. Again, I don't want to get into that particular conversation. I just want to provide a floor for students to speak, students who have just graduated from high school, and maybe this will help inform some of the decisions that we make as adults, as leaders, as pedagogues, as parents, and see how the conversations that we have relate and connect with what the student perception is. I spoke and wrote about how I talked to a student once and asked her straight up, what does learning mean to you? How do you know that you've learned? And she answered that she knows that she's learned if she received a high mark on an exam. And this to me shows that the students will not necessarily accept any kind of innovative curricular practice because if we change the rules of the game by giving them different kind of experiences or measuring learning other than through a test, they won't be able to get into schools that they want. We have to include them in the conversation. It can't just be limited to a professional development session with adults who are in education that don't bring in student voice and student impressions and perceptions. So enough of me. I'll leave space to those three students, Christopher, Eliza, and Russell. Christopher is the first student whom I interviewed. He is artistic. He taught himself to play the guitar. He is the kind of kid who has um, great conversations about very mature matters and is able to really connect the dots uh, quite easily. Um, a very loving, affectionate young man uh, with his parents and someone who uh, I thought would be a great person to talk to simply because of his appreciation for how much he has grown over the last four years. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Christopher. Hi, Christopher. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we just wanted to know a little bit more about you. If you could tell us uh, about your situation, who you are, what you've been doing, uh, where you are in life. Sure. So I'm uh, Christopher Mann. Um, I am 18, just turned 18 last month, and I live in Hong Kong. I've lived here my whole life. And um, I'm in my senior year of high school, final year. Uh, and in term, um, I've kind of just spent a lot of time indoors recently because of the coronavirus, but like everyone has. Um, but yeah, this is um, yeah, this is my last year in Hong Kong. Going to be leaving for university in June, I think, June or July, presuming I'm able to with everything that's going on. And are you still doing online learning, or have you gone back to physical school? Um, I actually had my last week of um, online, well, proper online learning next, sorry, last week. Next week, we're, it's still going to be online, but it's not really, we're having arts interim next week. So it's a week of um, a specific course uh, doing something. But then after that, 
the plan is that we'll go back to proper school, but we'll see things are changing day to day. So we could find out on the Sunday before school that we need to keep doing virtual learning. But yeah, the plan is right now to go back in two weeks. Are you guys having modules that are sent to you or do you have uh, online classes that you tune in for? Uh, we have online classes. So we'll have how it basically works. We have uh, certain Google class, Google Hangout rooms that we, um, we all have the links to the classrooms that we need to go to. And every day at the same time we would in regular class, we'll click on the link and go into the classroom and we'll be on a video call with our teacher and all of our classmates. And from there, they'll just kind of like, it, it'll be a lot like a regular class. A lot of the, some of the classes, they'll kind of like give us a presentation the whole time. Some of the classes, they'll split us up into the groups. But then for a lot of classes, they'll just kind of talk to us for 10 minutes and then let us go off and go off of the call and work, get on with our work for the rest of the class. And how's that working out for you? How do you compare that compared to physical school? I really, I actually really like it. Um, I feel like it kind of, not that it lets us work at our own pace, but like kind of it's, I guess, less kind of, less pressure on the, um, not really less pressure. How do I say this? It? kind of like you can, it's it's more relaxed because um, you can just kind of, I, I work from my bed every day. I can just like kind of, once the teacher goes off, I can just relax and just get on with my work, um, play music. It's, more relaxing than kind of being in a classroom. And yeah, I, I, I like it. I enjoy it. And are you completing the work to the same level of quality? Do you think less quality or higher quality than when you're in physical school? Um, I'd say, yeah, I, I'd say in general, um, the same quality. Um, I think it's kind of, it is a bit harder because you don't have a lot of the resources that you have at school. And, but I, I think there's also in some ways more flexibility since you're working from home and you get to work with kind of like places around your house and resources from your house that you wouldn't necessarily have at school. Are you doing any kind of collaboration or teamwork with other students? Oh yeah, there are um, loads of classes where we need to do presentations together or um, make things together, and that's pretty easy. We just make a because it's on the we're not doing it with Zoom like most schools are. We do it with Google Classroom, and for that it's really easy to make a group call. You just make a chat as all the people in your group, and then do the call. And then, yeah, it's easy to do it from there. We can have Google Docs, Google presentations, and yeah, collaborations, really easy. What about in terms of the curriculum and the learning that happens from a curricular level, the, the disciplines that you take, the subjects and so forth? What has been your greatest learning from the curriculum? And by your greatest learning, I mean the learning that you remember, the learning that will make a difference, the learning that kind of helped you grow into being a young man. Yeah. To be honest, I can't really think of really a, like a, a an important learning moment from the school curriculum that's kind of stuck with me. I'd say most of kind of like the big learning moments that I consider uh, important and impactful in my life happened outside of the school curriculum and just... Um, came from just general life experience. 
I'll ask the question a different way, and, and and there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just trying to get to um to 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 where your thinking is, or maybe where your experiences are. What about in terms of the subjects that you've enjoyed the most? What have they been? Uh, mainly uh, art subjects. I figured that out in I think eleventh, tenth or eleventh grade when, um, so what uh, the vice principal that we had at the time uh, came up to me and they were like. Uh, we need to move around some of your um, classes because you have too many art credits. And I looked at it and I found out I had like one and a half extra art credits and I was about halfway through high school. So yeah, I definitely think that I've enjoyed uh, kind of the um, art subjects a lot, like as in graphic design, web design, music. Um, yeah, anything that kind of falls under that umbrella. I really enjoyed that. But then I've also actually kind of enjoyed English. Um, English is a funny subject, like the type of subject that I don't want to take, but then once I actually am taking it, I do quite enjoy it. And yeah. Is there a common thread between the arts and English that you enjoy, or are they two different matters that you enjoy different ways? Um, I think it's just thinking about it right now, I think it has to do with um, kind of making things because art, uh, like uh, with graphic design and music and stuff like that, that's all about making things. And then the parts of English that I enjoy particularly are writing and particularly creative writing. So I think I just like, I think I just like the process of being able to create things. What don't you like? What are the classes that made you think, oh my gosh, I have to do this and that have really not connected with you? Um, social studies, uh, never really, enjoy- I mean, there was one class in grade 10, a social studies class that I really liked and, and I did an economics class, which I liked. So that there are a few social study classes that I like, but in general, uh, they've, I've never really enjoyed it. I, I don't really understand it, to be honest, uh, like the whole category of social studies, but yeah, I've just never really, it's never been something that I enjoy. You say that there's a couple classes in social studies that you've enjoyed, but for the majority of the social studies classes, you haven't. Is there something that changes that makes it so that you enjoy the class or don't? Is there a commonality uh, uh, between the two that, that's important to you? Oh, um, the teacher, the teachers, definitely. I think like, because I find a bad teacher can make you really hate a subject that you enjoy. And a good teacher can make you really interested in a subject that you hate. Like I've had kind of like teachers for art subjects that are really bad that make me not want to take the course, but then good teachers for subjects that I don't like, like maths or um, social studies and things like that, that make me really enjoy the um, class. So I think it definitely comes down to how it's taught. And what is it about the way it's taught that resonates with you? I guess kind of like teachers that are more like down to earth and more, because there are some teachers uh, who, I'm not, I'm not going to name any names, but just like examples, uh, teachers who like, uh, they'll just kind of like give you, like tell you the information, give you the work and that's it. But then I think the teachers that I prefer, the ones that are more down to earth and kind of like, you feel like you can kind of talk to them and they talk to you. And kind of like you feel like they are like kind of actual people outside of the classroom. Like they're more, um, I guess, more fun, more charismatic and yeah, just more down to earth. 
So it doesn't have so much to do with the content. It's the person that is with you, the adult in the room that makes the difference, if I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah, it's the, just kind of like the general vibe, I guess. They're like mannerism, they're, not mannerism, they're, um, oh, what's the word? Um, just kind of like, yeah, how they conduct themselves, I guess. What is it that you wish that you had learned in high school that you didn't learn? I wish I learned more about music production because I'm kind of planning on doing that for university and it's not something that I know all that much about. I, I, I know some about it, like enough to kind of like go into a foundation year, which I'm planning on doing, but I do wish that I'd learned more um, about that. And do you think that high school has prepared you for what comes after high school? It's hard because in some aspects, I would say so, like in terms of university and um, uh, social skills and things like that. But then in terms of kind of like taxes um, and mortgages and stuff like that, and just kind of generally how the world works, I'd say I'm kind of still still uh, in the dark on a lot of that but I'd say kind of I'm at a point well I think I'll be able to do okay um, from based off of things that I learned from school. Would your folks be able to help you with that or why is it that you wish that you had learned that in school and not say within the family? Well I expect that I will learn it um, within the family and there's nothing wrong with that but um, I don't know, I just feel like kind of if in terms of school, if it's somewhere that we're going to um, be for our entire childhood and teenage years, we may as well learn some kind of like u- more useful life skills like that. We do learn life skills in school sometimes, um, occasionally, but uh, yeah, no, I just feel like it'd be helpful to kind of learn some of that from school. If you were in charge of a high school and you could do anything you wanted, what would you do? What would you change? And what would you stop? Ooh, um, it's a big question. Like the thing that I want to change about the curriculum, I feel like that's kind of what makes it unique and more relaxed. Cause I was talking about this with some friends the other day. I feel like a problem with curriculum is that kind of, I'll just use an example. I was had a class, I had a chemistry class early in the year where we were learning about uh, solids, liquids, and gases. And I was sitting in class and I was thinking, well, hold on, I'm in my senior year. Why am I learning about solids, liquids, and gases in chemistry? I learned this in, in like year four or third grade in uh, the American system. You taught yourself to play guitar, right? Yes, I did. How did you go about learning guitar? What motivated you? And where did you find the resources to go and teach yourself? Honestly, mainly the internet. Um, I, well, I started taking, my dad had start. my dad um, made me start taking piano lessons when I was about eight. So I kind of already had that um, kind of like aspect of music in my life. Um, and for a while, for the first few years, I really didn't enjoy it. But then I'd always, while I was playing piano, I'd always kind of thought, I kind of want to learn how to play guitar. And we had guitars in my house because my dad played it. We had, I think, three, all from when my dad was younger. So one day I just decided, yeah, sure, I'll 
start learning. So I got one. Um, it was quite a small one with a nylon string, so they were a lot softer. And, um, yeah, I just kind of I searched up on YouTube how to play the guitar. And then uh, there are a few videos of people kind of showing like the different basics of the guitar, like the different uh, parts and what each was, each of the parts were called. And eventually what I just started doing, I just thought of a song. I was like, okay, I want to learn how to play this song. And so I searched up a YouTube tutorial on how to play it. And through that, through the different kind of like songs, I'd just naturally learn different chord shapes and strumming patterns. And then from then I moved on to, uh, looking at tablature, which is the uh, way of writing out guitar music. And I started learning about finger picking and percussive elements and, um, and power chords and just lots of different aspects of playing guitar, just kind of from just, from just learning various different songs. Is there anything else that is on your mind or anything about your last four years that sticks with you that you would like to share? I don't think, I guess just that I feel like the last four years have been quite influential on just my life in general. I think I've on, undergone the most change just like kind of with myself, like as who I am in the last four years than I had in my life. I kind of felt like before I, before high school, I just kind of like, I know I felt like I'd been the same person my whole life, but then looking back on who I was four years ago and who I am now, um, it just feels like I'm someone completely different. So yeah, I would say my life has undergone quite a big change in the last four years. The next student I interviewed is Eliza. Eliza moved to an art school in Los Angeles halfway through her high school career. She hasn't always enjoyed school because she has dyslexia and certain subjects have been quite challenging. Eliza loves fashion and wants to be a model after high school. Eliza hasn't always been able to express herself with the written word, but she's found other mediums through which to let her creativity flow, such as visual arts and fashion. And now here's my conversation with Eliza. Hi, Liza. Thank you for uh, coming on our show. Just wanted to ask you about uh, some of your experiences during your years of high school, the last four years. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you are, what you've been doing, what you plan on doing, and so forth. Well, um, my name is Eliza. I am 18. I'm right now in Hong Kong. I just graduated high school in Los Angeles in December. And now I'm working in the fashion industry as a model, and I'm planning to go to art college in the UK this year. Did you enjoy school? Um, yeah, I really did enjoy school. I may have not enjoyed some of the studying or whatever, but in the broad section, I really enjoyed like going to school and the day-to-day routine of learning something new and interacting with people and just talking to people. What made it so that you didn't enjoy school? I think the the thing that would stress me out the most or or made it less enjoyable was, of course, um, exam weeks. Those were always rough because you always want to get a good score. So a lot of that time is just studying, 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 and making sure you're remembering things correctly and you're going to do well on your exams. But I feel like other than that, other than exam week, I feel those were 
the only times that would make me like really upset or stress. How do you know that you're learning? Um, well, when I sometimes when I get a good score on a test, that's when I know I'm learning something. Or sometimes when I'm having a conversation with a person about a certain topic, whether it's mathematics or even like reading my book to my little brother or helping him with his like math homework sometimes, like that's when I'm like, oh, I learned this in school, of course. So that's how I really know I learned something. And what about things that you've learned outside of school? How do you know that you learned them? Um, trial and error, a lot of trial and error. And I think especially with what I'm doing with my job, just learning what it's like to be declined and confirmed and when you're doing badly and taking criticism, which also comes from being at school, especially when I did art a lot of the times, you get criticized a lot on your artwork. So it builds up a kind of, um, I don't know, like a shield. So you eventually don't take the criticism personally, but you take it as in, like it's something that you need to work on and learn more. So the ability to take yeah. critiques, is that part of yeah. your learning? Do you, do you see yourself learning that way or is that a vehicle to learn um, more? Honestly, it is a learning thing and I feel like it is a vehicle because still to this day I'm learning about it because even though you may not get hit with it all the time and sometimes you're like, okay, let me move on, work on it. But there's other days when you're just like, oh, this kind of sucks. But I think that comes from a day-to-day basis. But school definitely gives you the basic like ground of criticism because you're pretty much being critiqued on work so in in terms of the classes that you've enjoyed and i'm not talking about from a content perspective i mean from an environment perspective when you walk in the classroom or when you leave the classroom what are the classes that have resonated the most with you that you've enjoyed the most and the ones that you've not connected with and and why in both cases what are some of the elements of those classrooms okay so the classes that i did enjoy the most has had to be art and mathematics just because I was really lucky enough to have amazing teachers teaching me which made my my experience more enjoyable because I think um, a large part of um, me enjoying classes is also enjoying the company of the teacher teaching me so of course me loving art and having a teacher that is just as passionate as I am and willing to go to the moon and back to teach me something new or whether if I want to say, Hey, could we input this a bit? Or maybe next semester, could we try and add this in? I really want to learn more about this and having a teacher being able to be like, yeah, I'm going to see if I can fit that in. And we're definitely going to take the time to do that. And the same with mathematics. Like I was like, I need to learn this quicker because the quicker I learn it, the better I will be at it because I just won't get bored of it he would teach me he would let me take home his math books learn a new chapter every day for me to just quickly move on and adapt and move on to a different class of a higher level which was very much helpful in the classrooms that maybe haven't resonated well with you Mm, I think the classrooms that haven't resonated well with me um, in the beginning was English and I'm talking about English in terms of when I first moved to LA, um, meeting my new teacher, he 
he's definitely an awkward guy. <laughs> really, really awkward. Um, but once you start to get into the rhythm rhythm of it, you're just kind of in a routine. But he was a really dedicated teacher, which was nice. But at times I felt it was a bit repetitive. Those were the times where I was like, this is not really enjoyable. My school, all seniors, right? When we reach kind of like the last semester of senior year before graduation, we, I think it's like eight weeks long because we don't have many classes around then anymore. Like I came into school like twice a week at that point, but then they made it mandatory for students to come in every single Friday at 7 a.m., seniors meeting seniors and six teachers who are the head of the groups would um, teach students different topics throughout the day and by the end of the day you would have to present yourself and then the final week of those eight weeks you would have to present yourself and what you learned and what you're planning to do in the future based on those eight weeks that you have learned from different teachers and it's more like loosely structured. So what kind of topics are we talking about? So it's like kind of like life skills. So it's like one of them, my teacher, she was called Kate, love Kate. She would teach me basically anything I really needed to know. And that time was really like kind of like a one-on-one time where you're like focusing on the teacher and you, and you're kind of like, okay, so what do you learn? And then you'll be like, oh, well, I'm kind of stressing about like, how to figure out dorms or blah, 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 blah. And like, I don't know how taxes work. And then she'd really focus on that and help you out. Or even if you were saying having a really bad day, she would teach you how to use different techniques to meditate or I don't know, think of happy thoughts or whatever. But she, it would like, she would just teach you day-to-day life. And then other ones was like, Basically, there was an art class where you had to make a ceiling board, but it had to be about you and what you resonate with the most. So I did one on Peanut, my morbidly obese cat. That was my ceiling panel um, because he is my life and I love him more than anything. So that was my ceiling panel. And then there were music classes. I've never taken music really. And he was teaching me how to play the guitar and like editing music and just like fun things like that for you to have the opportunity to explore and also get to know your teachers more because it's your final semester of senior year. So you want to not learn them as a teacher, but also kind of be like a mentor for those eight weeks being like, okay, let's collaborate together and work on something. So these were teachers who taught quote unquote regular courses mm-hmm. and then during this time and and what if you came up and said I don't know what I want to learn about or nothing bothers me and you just had blank how would they use that well hour? they would still because it was like basically you would kind of start on a project like the ceiling panel you don't finish it in a day you know because our classes were 50 minutes long so we would basically just have do finish a section and then work on it the next time but each of those classes we also had to write a little bit of something and we would have to put in our 10 goals in the beginning of that like eight week long course and like kind of see how we are progressing within those eight weeks then even though you might not have something in mind since the eight weeks course are based on a long project at the same time like 
you learning from like a mentor or teacher will will just progressively start as like a conversation and sometimes like in art class not art class music class i wouldn't know what to do at all because i'm not musically talented none of that so we would just have conversations about random things and like he'd show me his own music and like i'll be like oh this is really interesting this has similarity and he'll be like oh this has similar like wave patterns to da 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 and so it's in, it's in these kinds of meetings that you would also talk about dorm rooms and taxes yeah. in the morning you would have a morning meeting for 10 minutes to talk about what topic we're going to learn like the base basic structure of today's like lesson and then at the end of the day it's kind of like each person has to say like what they learned or what they found interesting or not interesting and how did they do was it one-on-one but there's more students than teachers so how did that work out well we were really lucky where our school is really small because that's why we have multiple campuses and it is that's why i graduated so early because it is a college-based structure where sometimes you're in a really small students and you're in my situation or in my case where I was like okay let me finish three months worth of school in five weeks I came into school from 6 a.m left at 7 p.m and would be in classes all day long no breaks then it's basically you start seeing your classes finishing and basically when one class finish you have a, like a break in between or a next class and then when those teachers are doing nothing they're teaching another class and that's also why we have homework cafes is because there's so like there's not a large amount of students and there's actually a lot of teachers where we're able to kind of like it's kind of like a puzzle piece so when one leaves the other one goes in and then when a teacher's done they go out and then the students that are out with no classes can do homework there that's brilliant Eliza. i'm really glad you shared that with me that's super interesting that's i really like that kind of apprenticeship model i love it yeah and with those eight weeks every friday there's a theme that you have to learn like a theme that's connected to what to basically of like what you're doing so then like one day it could be about like they would it would be like a certain word i really don't remember i don't know let's say example um enlightenment let's just say that and then basically we would have to discuss in each class different ways of enlightenment or what we think of it because each teacher it'd be like a drama teacher a music teacher a life skills teacher an english teacher or a physics teacher and then an art teacher and each of them have their own different views based on what they teach and then you discuss about that while you're doing your work that's brilliant so while you're doing your work you're having these conversations exactly based upon like the the goals of that friday And then that's why we have the morning meeting to discuss about it in the beginning. If we have any questions about the word or whatever, and the teachers can say what they want. And then at the end, we discuss on like what we learned or what we feel about our word, whether it's like we hate it and it was really boring. Please don't do it again. Or we love it and we learned this. And this was kind of funny about the day of what we learned. And it's just like basically bonding students and teachers together for that last semester and kind of like learning from a different perspective, though you're still learning. And what about your favorite experience in class that is within a curriculum learning context? What was your favorite experience? Do you have any examples? Favorite experience, like in terms of a moment of a favorite experience? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, or just, uh, just maybe a moment or maybe a unit or, or anything, right. anything of that nature. This, I remember clear as day. Well, it wasn't that long ago, so I don't know why I'm talking about it. Like it's 20 years ago, but um, it was definitely where I was working on this piece of giant art. Right. And I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can finish this within two weeks flat. Well, it ended up taking me three months to finish. And it was this huge painting that it wasn't really a painting. It was mixed media, but, um, it was huge. It's taller than me. And I was like, yes, I can go in white pencil and draw out two giant statues in absolute detail, close up and finish it in two weeks. And through that, I went through having mental breakdowns, trying to finish this, maybe going partially blind, um, frustrations, trying to give it up. But once I finish it, it's definitely the best RPs I've done so far in my lifetime. And so why, what makes it the best piece? What is it that you feel makes it the best? I feel it makes it the best because I put so much hard work into it and so much emotion, whether it's anger, happiness, sadness, into this one single art piece that took me so long and hours and hours of every single day for three months trying to finish it. And it may not be perfect, but what makes it the best is how hard I worked at it. And it really came out more than I expected that I could do. Did you work with an adult on this or, or were you It was like, it started off, oh my God, my teacher was a major help, of course. He gave me the footsteps and teaching me techniques that I definitely would not have learned on my own without his help. Um, and but it took a lot of time and dedication and also from it actually I had so many friends supporting me trying to finish this because it was so intense but definitely the help of my teachers and friends just support system made me finish this art piece and and how did you work with your teacher in terms of learning the techniques was it classes was it after school how did that happen Um, we in terms of this piece in particular, it was in class. Um, I did stay after school to finish it, and sometimes he would stay and help me out. Um, but in terms of how he would help me, it was more of like getting involved. So it was black and white. So basically, you it's a black and white statue, so the statues are white and the background's black. So you're completely going in reverse. So with example, shading on plain white paper with black pencil, you tend to go darker for the darker shadows. But with this, you go the opposite way where the darker shadows you leave alone and you kind of have to go whiter with the highlights. So definitely just teaching me those basics and helping me and showing me being like, oh, maybe this part you could whiten a bit and this part you could go lighter on. Those are the guidance that really helped me succeed in this painting. And who had the design, the original conception or concept, I should say, of of the painting? Me. I, it came from me. Um, Me looking at Pinterest hours on end, depending on if I'm looking at my future dream mansion apartment or random pictures or studying different types of museums, I came across this statue and I thought it was very beautifully composed together. And I was like, 
why don't, what happens if I drew this? And then my teacher was like, yeah, do it. So we just started making this giant piece of artwork that came out really well. And what happened to it? Did you, did you put it on display? Did it go on a show? Do you have it in your room? What happened to the artwork? Well, in my school, basically, I didn't attend to this because I graduated already, but my previous artworks did attend to it. It was um, basically every single year, we have this art show kind of where kids, whether they're in art class or not, can bring in their artwork and put it on display. And parents and teachers and and we, our school was composed of different campuses from all over LA or America. So there are teachers from our school from all over the place and they would come in to look at this show and they would they could buy it off for however much. It's kind of like kind of like a betting or an auction. And the paintings would get auctioned off and donated, or it can be just there on display and people just want to show it off. So that's kind of like what my school did. But yeah. And who, did you did you end up selling it? Um well one of I didn't sell this one. I was too closely attached to it, so it's in my room. Um there's no way I'm giving it up. I'm making my mother send this giant piece of artwork so I can bring it to college. Like there's no way I'm letting this go. I'm never gonna let this moment down. But my previous ones I did. I did let them go. I was like, say la vie. I don't know who bought it, but Hope they're enjoying it. Last but not least is Russell. Russell's an athlete, and not only is he gifted, but he puts in a lot of hard work. He's currently training to represent Hong Kong in sailing. Russell put in a lot of hard work in the classroom as well, but he was lucky enough to benefit from attending a school that allowed him to pursue his passions of sailing in terms of training, in terms of aligning co-curricular activities to sailing, and allowing him the room to go and perfect his sport. This is really interesting in the sense that it shows what a little bit of curricular flexibility allows someone to achieve if they have particular talent or curiosity. And while Russell might have extraordinary talents that have taken him to the levels where he is today, it doesn't mean that schools can't organize their day and their offerings in such a way as to allow all students to explore their interests and curiosities. So here's my conversation with Russell. Thanks, Russell, for joining us on the show. We just wanted to get to know a little bit more about you. So if you could start off by maybe introducing yourself, who you are, what you've been doing, and uh, when you graduated and, and so on. Yes, yeah, sounds good. So hi, my name is Russell Aylesworth. I'm 19 years old. I've graduated about two years ago now, and I'm currently a full-time athlete under the Hong Kong Sports Institute, which... Uh, uh, for sailing actually so I've just been I've just been doing that so you've been doing um, uh, you've been training for the past couple of years since you graduated high school yeah I would say I so the type of boat that I sail now is a Olympic class boat and I started that when I was 16 so quite a few years ago about three four years ago now yeah, so I've been I, I've been doing that, and I've I've done it full time only about a year and a half now. You've been sailing from before that, right? Yeah, I started sailing when I was eight years old, 
I would say it's pretty weird. I only got into sailing just because my brother would tease me and I, and I was, and we were always quite competitive when we were young. So I, I just started sailing and he eventually quit, but I quite enjoyed it. So here I am now. And how are you able to get to the level that you are as an Olympic athlete or soon to be Olympic athlete, given the fact that you were going to school full time? Well, I would say what I was quite fortunate because the school that I was at, they were, they were quite understanding and flexible and they understood what my goals were. They really helped me and supported me. And I was able to, um, they were able to fix my schedule around, around me. So I was able to go sailing about four or five times a week after, after school or during a school hours, I guess. And what are some of the things that you took away from high school, uh, from a learning point of view, not just from a curriculum point of view, but just, just as growth, what, what allowed you to become a young adult? Ooh, it's a bit of a tricky question, but I don't know. I would say there's a lot of self growth that happened, but I think just the support and what I thought was quite unique about my school was just because it was quite small. We were, we, everyone knew each other and the connection that teachers would have to the students who would really learn from them. And I would say a lot of students, including myself would look up to teachers more as a mentor than an actual teacher. So I would say a lot of my growth would come from having to, having to look at teachers actually. During your four years of high school, what were the most significant things that you've learned? And that could be anything that you are still using right now and applying right now. Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say out of the four years, the biggest thing that I think that I've learned was having just determination and having uh, the value of hard work. And I felt like at the Harbor School, there was quite a bit of leniency in the time that we were given to do our work. And we had time that was just handed to us to do homework. So I would say there's a lot of trust that was handed to us. And I appreciated that. And I felt like the biggest learning experience I had was really just having to push myself and being determined to give the best work that I could. If you were in charge of a high school and you could do whatever you wanted, you were completely powerful and no one was going to challenge you and you could keep something, change something, that is keep it but change it or get rid of something, what would those three things be? Right. So if I was the all-powerful and I could have a school that that could be any way I would want, I would say that I would create a, a learning system that really just values independent work and hard work and just giving uh and when kids need support i would say having a strong support system so that kids can catch up or if they wanted more time to learn i think that's super valuable for students and i would just create and i would just like create a a class as well for just helping kids find job opportunities and internships and just experiencing the world and just having to learn about themselves and just trying to make an atmosphere that really uh, helps kids find out what they like. 
And how would you structure that class? Well, if I would have to, I would, I would sort of have something similar to an independent study module that I had, except I would push it even further and I would have them, uh, I would say that you're, you would only, uh, you're only allowed to change your ISM every year and a half. So when you would choose something and you would hate it, you would still have to work hard and push yourself to stay with that uh, project or idea that you uh, wanted to do. Can you describe what these ISMs are, these independent study modules? So independent study module is a class where you can choose the topic that you want to study. And at the end of the, at the end of the year, you would be asked to present what you've learned, but you would also be given a, you would also have to do checkpoints every two to three weeks on what you've done with your teacher and your teacher would help you will help guide you with your ISM as well. So it really helps students find out what they really like and what they dislike and also teach them uh, skills that you would learn outside the classroom. How do you think that worked for some of your friends? Because you, you had a passion for sailing. Clearly, you're really talented. What about some of the other students who might not necessarily know what they wanted to study? How, how would you recommend that they go on to this, uh, this kind of journey with an ISM? Or, or what was your experience with that and, and, and your, your colleagues? Yeah, what I would say is what, what was always tricky about ISM is when you would, when you would have a student that really didn't really want to do any work or haven't develop the skills of like having to work hard and trying to do something and they would take their ISM as a really a lazy kind of thing and I would say that it didn't really work with everybody but I would say just the only person that can really push yourself is yourself to do whatever you want so I think the best that anyone could do is to just give as many opportunities to students as they can and no one can really force a student to do anything so it's a pretty tricky, uh, tricky thing to tackle. And, and that's, I think, the biggest frustration for a lot of educators out there who are thinking about student-directed learning is the fact that there's some students who are really excited about it, who are really motivated, know exactly what they want to do, or are okay with defining what they want to do, and others who just can't, for some reason, can't connect what they enjoy with, with learning in school or outside or whatever that might be. Like, I think a way that you could combat that is even maybe you would start at a younger age. Like, I think like if I was to build a school, you would have to really not drill it into the heads, but understand why they're at why they're going to school and it's not because their parents told them to or they have to it's because it's an opportunity for them to do what they want to do and it's just a it's just a stepping stone in life and i think if you if students really understood what their purpose is at at just trying to go to school i think that would also help and what do you think blocks students then from understanding why they're going to school or finding purpose in school I would say a lot of the things is that they're just not enjoying the classes because they don't really have the freedoms to do what they want. And I feel like uh, students that weren't really, I would say what makes, what I would say is that I didn't really take ISM for granted is because I had an extracurricular activity, which at a young age, which was sailing. And 
I would say a lot of what sailing has taught me was to, if you really wanted to be good at something, you really had to give it everything you had, like everything you have and just dealing with the situation that you have at hand. And I think that's really important, which sort of just guided me through school. And I wasn't like a, because I wouldn't say that I enjoyed every single class I had, but I I, I understood that school was a stepping stone in life and that you needed, if you, if you wanted to give yourself opportunities in life that you needed to prove, to prove that you were, that you, well, you would prove by having good grades and that that would give you more opportunities. And I think that I just understood that at a young age, which some people don't and they don't really care because they don't really value or understand it, I guess. So how do we fix that? Just getting it at an earlier age? I would say you would have to start, I guess you can, I guess everyone can adapt, but you would just have to, I think the easiest thing to do is to start at an earlier age to show them what's so valuable about school. And I think if you created a, a school environment that really treasured freedom and independence to learn what you wanted to learn and having that social support, I think that would really, uh, give kids like it would really like give them the like incentive to enjoy school because you you would just be giving them so much help. So I listened to a podcast. It's interesting what you're saying. I listened to a podcast a few days ago uh, and had a reaction to a comment that was made by the guest who said uh, that she didn't care if kids were bored in class because they needed to learn what society thought was right for them to learn. What's your reaction to that? I would say it's well if you were if you were to tell that to a kid they would they would be really confused because they I think it's just such a silly ignorant thing to say actually because how like how would you explain that to like a student that you didn't really care about them like that would like you would be first you're showing to your students that you don't really value them at all which which I think respect is also a really big thing because if a teacher does not have a level of respect to their students I don't see a student reciprocating that um, that same thing so I think it's just a pretty silly way to like if you were to try and incentivize kids to learn I think that would be a it's just a terrible thing to do you can't really force someone to do anything they want what what have you learned since high school that you found particularly valuable? I would say, well, well, the two years since I've graduated, I've been I've been sailing, and a lot of like the biggest thing that I think I've learned is grit, is having grit, and uh, like the this the Olympic class I'm in is very competitive. There's a world championship that's that happens every year and the top 25 boats are always in a different placement and they sometimes go like behind from their previous year placement which just shows how competitive my class is and i would and it could and it was really demotivating at the beginning just because i was i, I would i'd be training every single day and working really hard for a year and when i would show up overseas to prove my skills and head into competition, I wouldn't perform as well. And it was really quite, it was really draining physically and 
mentally for me, I would say. But like when I heard that there were some people who would be who have sailed this uh, this boat for twelve years and have done this full time for twelve years, I was quite shocked. But it just shows the type of determination you need to be the best. And I think what I've learned to like the most is that just having grit and doing things with perfection. And what I really love about sport is that I really think it's the purest form of being human. And it's because you because you go into a competition and you just give it everything you have and you don't do as well as you want to do. And you just work on improving that and you try and like do even better. And I think that's just what being human is about. And which is why I really love sport and I really, really enjoy what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Is there anything else that is on your mind or that you want um, you know, people to know about your, your life before, uh, sorry, uh, during high school or after high school or anything that's on your mind that, that has played about, about the last five or six years of your life? Yeah, I would say growing up as a human being in the past six years, one of those, one of a, a realization that I've had that sort of blew my mind a little is that like the older you get and like, as you, as you age, I would say your priorities change. And I would say that that was the biggest um, aha moment for me, just because when, when you're young, like, like, like uh, you, like the priorities that you have are super different. Like I remember when I was in middle school all I wanted was to just have a lot of friends and and be happy every day and I would say as I got older I got more ambitious and I thought of oh what else I could do and I'm sure when I'm even older I would have a different priority on what I wanted to do it what I would be wanting to do in life right now Thank you for listening to the Meaningful Learning Podcast by Coconut Thinking. This was a bit of a different episode from what's out there in the education podcast, and I wanted to give space to students. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope there were some parts that uh, were enlightening, some parts that were interesting, just because it's not often enough that we ask students, talk to students, and try to get into their heads and their hearts. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you'll join us again soon on the Meaningful Learning Podcast by Coconut Thinking.